Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Well, I'm excited about kingdom now. I'm excited about what God is introducing to us. And you may say, well, what does this have to do with my present circumstance? The kingdom of God and his rule has everything to do with our present circumstances. The psalmist understood something, and I want to recommend that you and I uh, stay in the word of God. Uh, Keep the word of God as the bedrock uh, of your foundation. Keep it as the apple of your keep it as an apple of your eye or the thing that you love the most please stay in the word of God if you're not a student of the word of God just start by reading it you don't have to study it yet just read it become familiar with the books a good survey would be important to you know that it is an old testament and a new testament what does old testament mean old covenant versus the new covenant and then know the, the, the styles of writings, understand historical books, the poetic books, the prophetic books, the gospels, the acts of the apostles, and then the epistles, and then the ending of it, or the book of revelations. Know that there are 66 of those books. It was written over a 1600 year period, over 40 different authors, and they all talk about the same thing. There has never been a Bible or a book, a Bible or book written like this on the face of the earth. It has sold more copies than any other book. It is absolutely astounding. And I want to encourage you to become familiar with the life book for your life. You will find yourself in the pages. You will find your Lord first, and then you will find yourself that he talks directly to you. And he will begin to speak to you out of the volume of the book. He even said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O God. You will find God in the volume of the book. There are people who are trying to hear God, even in prayer and in meditation, but they don't have his language. Read the scriptures. The more you know the language that God speaks, the clearer he will speak to you didactically or directly. The psalmist knew something about God. He said, Your kingdom is everlasting. It's everlasting. It lasts throughout the ends of time. And your dominion endures through all. Your rule endures through all generations. Well then, Pastor Clark, Bishop Clark, what? Why is there so much chaos in the world if his dominion endures through all generations? His kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom that we seek is not of this world. It is not a superpower. It is not the Americas. North America, South America, or the United States of America. That's not necessarily the kingdom of God. Another superpower right now that's emerging out of the, uh, out of the West, and we call it China. China, the president said, China. We want to make sure that you understand that China is not necessarily the king. Actually, it's a communist country. And they are thriving and growing Their influence is growing around the world. They don't even declare that they know Jesus, that they know God at all. Actually, they come against those things. They have Muslims and Christians that are being persecuted there now. 
So you can't just look at prosperity alone to say uh, we please God because prosperity is there, because China is prospering. We want to make sure that you understand that the stock market is not the indicator that we are well, that we are healthy within the borders of our nation. You have Russia. That's another superpower. Germany is a large superpower. And we can go on and on and on. It doesn't mean that those nations represent the kingdom of God. His kingdom is everlasting. It was here before any of those nations began to thrive, and it will be here long after those nations, even our nation, comes to its end. And then in Matthew chapter 6, it's very clear. Jesus says, when you pray, it's important for you to understand that the kingdom is pressing, that the kingdom is pressing. We should actually pray kingdom now. Every time you pray, you should pray that the kingdom would come and that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So everybody say it with me, kingdom now. You should pray that God's kingdom would be implemented or manifested in your lifetime, actually right now. He wants us to begin to say that kingdom now. Kingdom now, not when we're going to get another stimulus or when is the government going to rise up? Or when they're going to recognize us? That's a part of it. You're living in this world, but you're none of this world. But the believer is supposed to be praying that God's rule and his dominion, which is everlasting, would be manifested now. And when you do that, you're going to shake some things up because two kingdoms can't rule at once. If we pray that the kingdom comes now. That we're actually saying, God, all other kingdoms, all other kingdoms, all other kings and monarchs must submit to the rule of God. That's what we're praying. From the president of the United States to the leader of China to Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin in Russia and all of the monarchs in, in Europe and all of the kings and presidents that are in the continent of Africa all of those nations that are in Africa and South America must. Jesus actually said, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I'm Lord. Amen. And so we need to pray that the kingdom comes now. I want to give you uh, some bad news uh, that the greatest threat uh, to civil, civil society, the greatest threat to civil society, to peace in our world, to a peaceful world, are the very citizens of this world. That's some bad news. The, very, the greatest threat to us having peace in the borders of the United States, in Canada, China, Russia, Europe, Africa, South America, India, the Middle East, are the citizens of the world that we live in. Why are we the greatest threat as citizens? Well, we see images every single day. We see bloodshed in our streets. We see men choked out in our streets. Young people are watching men being killed right in the streets in Chicago last weekend. Uh, young people, three-year-olds, we have them in here in our service today. And that's why I'm glad that they can hear the voice of a preacher, because your life is important. In Chicago, young people, like the young people that are sitting here today, gunned down 
Not because they did anything wrong. They never even tasted the world. But people, men, uh, women who would not submit to God's rule, all in their flesh just start shooting in cars, shooting in homes, and killing young people. You're in the right place at the right time. Images we're seeing. What do you think this doing to young people when they see this kind of foolishness or listen to the kind of music that's out there? Their ears are not ready for it. There's some things I didn't see until I became a man. They're seeing it at five and six years old. There are images that they see, and you all know what I'm talking about. Full movies while we sitting back singing Kumbaya. Blood is shed. We see death. We also see diplomacy. But we see death. We see conflict and hatred. We see people yelling at each other. We see racism. It's glaring and it thrives in three different areas. It thrives. History doesn't lie. It's in history. It's also plagued. Our institutions are plagued with racism. And the power structure. And racism will not come down until you see, uh, till things happen like what you see in, in one of the most racist states in this union, and it's Mississippi. And they are thinking about changing out the Confederate flag and putting up the American flag right while we're talking. This is a major move right now. You have chancellors over uh, colleges that are recognizing the contributions of African Americans in the nation and they're recognizing them on the campus and they're doing things that have never happened before because racism will not change just through prayer or through marching. Those in the power structure have to look at it and say enough is enough. And they must resist the racist or privilege that they receive because of the color of their skin. My wife went to a hair salon. I won't give any name, but it's in Palm Bay. A nail salon. I won't, I won't mention it, but it's in Palm Bay. <laughs> and when she went in there, she's sitting in the chair already prepped on her birthday, already prepped to get her nails done. A lady comes in while my wife is in the chair. She was actually, uh, uh, she was not registered. What do you call it? She was... She had an appointment for that time. Maybe they double book. Another lady comes in after my wife is in a chair being prepped. She was then asked to get out of the chair and let this other lady sit in the chair. I want you to think about that. My wife said, well, I'm in the chair. No, I need you to get out. My husband will take care of you when he gets in, but I need her to sit in the chair. Wife says, this doesn't feel well. This doesn't feel good. I think I'm out of there. The lady who comes in, who happened to be a Caucasian lady, comes in, sits in the chair. This is right here in the city of Palm Bay. Now, I'm saying that racism won't stop until the lady who came in looks at a situation like that. Even though she has privilege and the owner looks like they want to give you favors, you have to be able to say, this is not right. Ma'am, you go ahead and sit there. I'll come back at another time or I'll find it. They overbooked me, but don't you move. I want them to finish you. Actually, I'll pay for it. I don't even want you to feel funny about that. 
When you start seeing things like that happen, when people in the power structure start resisting the privilege thereof, you'll cast down racism. It needs to happen in every pulpit in America because churches are segregated. African Americans go to a predominantly Caucasian church all the time and support it. But do you have any of them in your power structure? Or are they just ushers and work in the kitchen? They'll be happy to do that because they've been conditioned. But what I'm asking you to do is to make sure you spread them out in the power structure. And if I offend you, good. For those of you that can't stand my message, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those who are listening. They're sitting on the edge of their seat right now saying, man, I never heard a preacher say that before. Absolutely. That's why he's raised us up for this time to cast down racism. It could be fixed if those that are in the power structure would not take the privilege when it's offered to you. Especially when it causes injustice with other ethnic groups. Our young people, these are images and diplomacy and death and bloodshed. But we also see fear. Fear is, is hindering us. Actually, fear is the opposite of faith. You'll get nothing done when you operate in fear. You should use caution, but not fear. Poverty is big time. In America, we have extreme poverty and extreme wealth. Somebody needs to think about how we're going to work with these things as we move forward. We also have extre extreme pride and extreme greed and extreme wealth and extreme gluttony and extreme lust and extreme slothfulness. We see rape. It's happening right now. I saw something on the internet. Young girl being raped since she was five years old. Genocide. Is taking place in countries around the world. Campus poison. Those who are uh, instructors on campus are trying to interject or inject our kids with ideologies that are not biblical. Universities are moving away. Universities that are like Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Christian universities are moving away from Christ and becoming more liberal. Refugees and migration is taking place. National disasters, economic uncertainties, immigration as well, congregational corruption. Corporate corruption, moral decay, cultural wars, cultural wars. We have uh, young people, young people that are in their 20s saying that they want to take over now. In other words, we don't need anybody senior, nobody in their 50s or 60s or 70s. We got it now. We have the knowledge. We don't need you. Get out of the way. We're going to do it our way. We're going to restructure this thing. Cultural wars when we should be working together. I can't pass out a baton uh, to you unless you get into the transitional zone. Pastor Dave. <laughs> we must get in the con we must get in the transitional zone. I'm with you, Pastor Dave. We must get in the transitional zone to pass on this baton. Cultural wars. 
Uh, one of the things you need to understand, and this is why I thank God for military experience, because in the military, uh, especially in the infantry, when the country is at war, the, every spring blood, shed, blood is shed more than any other time during the year. As soon as the, everything thaws out and everybody starts flowing and running, and guess who is the biggest one killed on the battlefield? Young people. Especially when they feel, oh, I'm strong. I can run up this hill. I can take out my enemy. I'm invincible. I'm Superman. Come out of the hole without practicing, without ducking, because I ain't afraid of nothing. They don't have any strategy. Just running against the enemy. Step on mines and you're blown up. Instead of listening to the senior one saying, don't move right now. What you need to do is keep your head down. After this suppressing fire is over, then we'll strike. That wisdom, that wisdom of people who've been on the battlefield for a little time to say, you need to come out this way. Well, I know you're ready to do it. I know you're angry. I know, but that's not what we need to move right now. We need to be strategic in how we move. Cultural wars. You can see them in our society. I came up in a time where men wore belts. Some young people came, went to jail because of drug sales. They took away the belts. When they came out, they started wearing their, their clothes way down. It became something in the culture that everybody believes is cool by doing that. But it came out of those guys who went into prison and then came out. And just a few of them became rap stars. And the whole nation goes after it. Know why you're wearing your belt off. Know why you have your belt below your rump area. Know why you do what you do. Cultural wars, and when we tell you to pick it up because the belt is essential, not just to hold up your clothing, but it holds all things together. The Bible even calls it the belt of truth. You're going get to uh, get rid of truth in your society? It's not just the belt around your waist. It holds your whole armor together. Truth is so important. We have liberal ideology. We have socialism that's trying to be introduced. We have communism that's being introduced. And the American capitalistic ideal. Make money no matter what. These things are the greatest threat to the kingdom of God. And this is why God wants the kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some people don't understand that, so they escape to religion. We talk about it all of the time. There are four things that hinder the move of the spirit. Religion is one. Ignorance is another. Tradition is another. And irrelevance, when you're not relevant to the time in which you live in. And so religion, if you're taking notes... The definition of religion here is the adherence to a set of ideals or beliefs that regulate behavior. It is when we adhere to a set of beliefs, a set of beliefs or ideas that regulate how we behave. When we allow ourselves to adhere to a set of beliefs that regulate how we behave morally, socially, and ritualistically then we are creating what we call religion and before you say you're not religious religion is not just tied to church you can be religious as it relates to sports you can be religious as it relates to politics you can be religious as it relates to gunji kush 
You can treat it like it's a, you adhere to a set of beliefs that regulate your behavior. You're then becoming religious. And I'm saying, if you're so religious, you don't hear anything. You're not dependent on God's word. You're not trying to adhere to God's word. You're shifting your, in your area of morality, socially and ritualistically. Religion has gripped you. And many people escape to religion. Instead of escaping to the kingdom, they escape to religion. Even false religion. There are people becoming more interested in false religions more now than ever before. If it's new and it's different, if it's different from your father's religion, you're in rebellion. So you start doing things different than what your father did. And you need to understand that God doesn't like rebellion at all. The God that you were taught about when you were a kid, when you used to sing those nursery rhymes, hallelujah, sing those little Christmas songs and those songs that you learned in the choir. Don't forsake everything and start running after stuff that you have no clue about because you're in a state of rebellion. God is still God. Jesus Jesus is still Lord. Holy Spirit is still reviving us. Don't forget the old ancient landmarks. Don't remove them out of your repertoire. Don't start doing things that God never called you to do anyway. Jesus is still Lord of all. Can the church say amen? Don't go after false religions because it's cute and it tickles your intellect. The Bible says it may have a form of godliness, but it denies the power of the most high. Thank you, God. This is why we don't go after religion. It may have a form of godliness, but it, may de- it will deny the power of the most high God. The migration that we're seeing right now from structure, from the institutionalized uh, religion or faith to philosophies. People are moving from institutionalized religion to philosophy, to humanism. To socialism, to communism, and to theory. It's one of the things that happened years ago in the civil rights movement. They changed a few words and added sex and gender. And what happened now, instead of uh, the civil rights touching people that, that were excluded because of the color of their skin, they added those few words in their sex and gender. And now people who have color, you, you're secondary. Now you got 2% of our society that may have an alter, alternative lifestyle are now pressing their way to the up, up in the front saying, we need our rights. Only 2% of the society when you got 13%, 40%, 13% of the society, 20% of the society that, after, after, that are after African-American and we haven't really gave them their due yet because we're trying to take care of sex and gender at the same time. These things are pressing in our society and it fights against the kingdom that needs to come. People are migrating. Watch it. My, we don't need church right now. I don't need no church, but believe me, you're religious because you do it every week. And if you're doing it every week and it's causing you money and you don't let nothing mess up your money or that stuff that you do, you have become religious. This religion, this religion, this false religion is fueled by a voracious appetite or hunger. There's a voracious appetite or hunger for things that we shouldn't go after. Why are we hungry for things that we shouldn't go after? The hunger is real. 
But the origin of this hunger comes from a vacuum of, the, of, of, of being outside of the will of God. We have a voracious appetite that should only be filled with God's word. Give us this day our daily bread. This is another part of the prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray. You should pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. If you're not getting word, hallelujah, it doesn't mean you're not hungry. That voracious appetite that should go after the word of God, if you're not careful, it will start going after other things that are fleshly, that will not produce any life in you. And that hunger is real. But it comes from a vacuum of being out or being absent of a God-like character that can only be shaped while you're in intimate relationship with the Lord. And all religions are alike in this sense. All religions are alike in this sense. They are attempts to answer the question of significance. All religions are alike in this sense. They are attempts to answer this question of significance or importance. Who am I? How important am I in this world? Who cares about me? Also belonging. Where do I belong? How much influence can I have? And these religions that people are going after is an attempt to answer the question of significance, importance, belonging, and influence. I want to give you some good news now. This is not about religion. This is about a relationship in progress. This is not about religion. God has never been a God that just wants you to adhere to a set of beliefs, a set of beliefs that changes you morally. That's he's not, he wants a relationship. And as in that relationship, he'll teach you how to serve and teach you what to believe and teach you how to function and teach you how to go, how to treat your fellow man, what to be involved in and what not to be involved in. Let me bring you back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. I like that word. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the face of the earth. Listen, ladies, you're supposed to have dominion over frogs. Dominion. Over lizards. How are you going to run men afraid of lizards? But the man better do what I tell him to do. He better get himself together. He better get himself a frog. Ow! 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 Come and get it! You're supposed to have dominion over the creeping thing. Why do I got to run home and take care of a frog? Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. 
Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And we're going to give him something called dominion. And so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. Whew, I can preach that. He created them. Then God said, bless them. And the Bible says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful. Be fruitful in what? I want you to spread the image. I want you to be fruitful in making sure that my image, my imprint, my blueprint for life is established. Be fruitful there. I also want you to be fruitful as it relates to spreading dominion. Dominion over nature. Dominion over the animal kingdom. Dominion over insects. Dominion over frogs and lizards. Dominion over fish of the sea. Dominion over the animal kingdom and everything that's in the earth. Be fruitful over that. Be fruitful in that and multiply. Not only produce babies, but you need to be able to take care of them and teach them how to have dominion as well. And we've been good at multiplying, but we need to multiply dominion and image. Oh, God, help me to teach that. It's one thing to have a son, but does the son reflect you and do you reflect the heavenly father? Big Macs reflect its maker. I was in Japan, I was in New York City, I was in Cairo and saw a McDonald's and the Big Mac was the same. Cairo didn't say because we're Egyptian, we're going to add a little bit and take some away. Japan didn't say because we say Kunichiwa, we're going to change the Big Mac to reflect our flavors. As it is in the headquarters of McDonald's, so it is around the world, because they understand that. We're fruitful and we multiply and don't change the menu. Well, when God gives us sons and daughters, they're supposed to have, be stamped with the image of God. And it is the job of parents to make sure that they're taught and they're trained and they're raised up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Be fruitful and multiply that. Feel the earth and look at the word subdue it. You need to be champions and I decree and declare that you are a champion today. I know you've been in a battle and they knocked you down in the third round and you don't know if you're going to make it. But I'm injecting you with some courage today. You will subdue your enemies. I have, I'm decreeing and declaring that that left hook in the spirit that God taught you how to flow with years ago. He's going to give you the strength right now to surprise your enemy and hit him with your best shot and knock him out. You will subdue your enemies. I know stuff is coming against us from every side around the world, but I decree and declare the kingdom is now, hallelujah, and the power and dominion and the might to subdue your enemy is coming with the kingdom advancement. Thank you, Jesus. Be fruitful and multiply. 
Look at the word, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that creeps or moves on the earth. Thank you, Jesus. I want that to sink in, soak in your soul. Kingdom now, thy kingdom come now. And then in John chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus answered them saying, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Let that soak as well. I told you that God is not about religion, he's about a relationship. So father didn't just say, I want you to have dominion, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Behind the scene, father has been working to make this happen. Behind the scenes in the spirit realm, Father has been moving and shifting things, shifting principalities and powers, not allowing the enemy to take an advantage over you. Even when you didn't do the right thing, he still put angels around you to make sure you escaped or got through, hallelujah, and was able to cross over on the other side. The Father has been working on your behalf even until now. And Jesus said, now I'm working on your behalf. I didn't stop when I died on the cross. I didn't stop when I ascended into heaven. I ever lived making intercession for you. And I'm going to be working behind the scenes in you and with you to make sure my kingdom comes. And my will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you God. Let's give God praise because the kingdom is coming through us. Hallelujah. He selected me, yes God, he selected me for this time that the kingdom would come, a branch of the kingdom would come out of me, hallelujah, something that the world hasn't seen and they can taste and see that the Lord is good in this season and in this time. Why? Because Jesus is working for me. Glory to God. I never saw it that way out of the book, hallelujah, out of the book of John chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus said, my father has been working until now and now I am working. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm glad that I'm not there trying to manifest the kingdom on my own. Heaven is working with me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The work of God. The work of the God, the work of God and Christ for your success. I want to talk for a moment about the work that God is doing. Number one, we see in this passage here where Jesus is praying. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through verse 29, 28, 29. It says, uh, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And we see the motivation from God. I want you to know that God is motivated about this season and time. He's motivated as it relates to you. He put you in the game. He put you in the game at this particular time to win. You've been on the bench. Others have been playing in the game. But in this fourth quarter, he preserved you. He preserved you and I and put us in the game because he know he put something in us. Glory to God. It's his motivation to keep his best kept secret until now. And in the fullness of time, he manifested his son. And in the fullness of time, he's chosen to manifest you. You may not feel like it. 
You may wonder why you've had to go through as much hell as you've gone through. Maybe it's been two or three relationships that have fallen. But God has been preserving you for this season. Or why you have to go through much physical challenges, as many physical challenges as you've gone through. But God is working. His motivation is to put you in right now. That he can be, he can cause your fruitfulness and the multiplication that he put in you to manifest at this time. We also see his nature. We see his nature. He wants to involve you in the process. He could do it all by himself, but he selected to make you a co-laborer. He selected to make you a part of what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Number three, we see his purpose, his reason or intent for creating us in his image and after his likeness and working for us both behind the scenes and now through Jesus Christ our Lord and the Holy Spirit is at work in us to empower us to do the work. And we see his mandate, take dominion. That word dominion reveals the purpose of our existence. That word dominion reveals the purpose of our existence. Kingdom, sovereign rule, that's what it means. Kingdom, sovereign rule, or royal power and authority. When he says take dominion in the Hebrew, he's saying I'm giving you kingdom rule, sovereign rule, royal power. Let me say it again. Kingdom rule, sovereign rule, royal power. Take dominion. I'm giving you authority to do so. I've always said years, years ago that a silent believer is a defeated believer. And a lot of times we're silent because we don't know our purpose. We don't know the purpose that God has put. God wants you to take over. Not in the natural sense like marching and taking over the government. And if you burn the government down, what are you going to place it, replace it with? You have, a, you have a government? Oh, we got to change this system. Okay, what system are you going to put in place? And has it, been, uh, has it been done before? Because there's nothing new under the sun. The democratic government is new in all the earth. Until now, until then, you had monarchs. You had kings, the king of England, the king of Israel, the king of Egypt, the pharaoh. One man ruling. We have what we call socialism and communism. So what system are you going to put in place to manage 360 million people? If it's not democracy, you're going to rule? You're going to become king? <laughs> you think you got those many bullets? You can take over the military too? Do you understand what nuclear means? <laughs> and if you can't do it, you need to stop the rhetoric. What we need to do is start thinking about a kingdom that's not of this world. Need to see kingdom rule and authority. Number two, God gave dominion in Genesis chapter one, but dominion is lost in Genesis chapter three. Dominion is lost. And how was it lost? You can read it. This is your leisure. In your leisure, Genesis three, verses one through 15, the loss of the power 
that was released in Genesis 1 came when man disobeyed God. And that's why number three, we need to always remember Jesus because through him, he says, I'm working with you even now. I'm restoring the ability to take dominion. Thank you, God. So in Christ, we fulfill Genesis 1 and verse 26 to verse 28. In Christ, because he restores what Adam lost, the second Adam regained. Remember, if Christ is not a part of the kingdom, we're fighting a losing battle. So I need to present a misunderstanding of Jesus. Major religions have rejected him. He's not strong enough for them. Even the Jewish people, when Jesus came on the scene, they were looking for a Messiah to take away Roman rule and establish Israeli rule. Jesus said, you got the wrong guy. I'm not here to disrupt. Even though, even though the Romans are treacherous, they eventually murdered Jesus. They crucified him. But he said, I'm not here to overthrow them. And there's a lot of young people don't read the Bible. And I want you to start reading the Bible. Read American history, but read the Bible. Read world history, but read the Bible. In this kingdom, we're not trying to overthrow governments. God can allow those governments to remain in place and still implement his kingdom rule. He did it many times. Glory to God. He took one man named Daniel, sent him to Babylon in chains, even allowed his flesh to become a eunuch, but he still worked through the excellence of his spirit. It changed the kingdom. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Three Hebrew boys went into Babylon, became eunuchs there, but their faith in God changed the system. Thank you, Lord. His kingdom is not of this world. Show me where one man can alter entire, entire nation. Yes, God can do that. He took one man by the name of Joseph, sent him, put him in a pit, and then into Potiphar's house, put him in the prison, and in one hour lifted him out of the dungeons as he crafted the man, made him what he wanted him to be while in the darkness, glory to God. He was developing his character, developing his ability to speak several languages, and then he elevated him the governor, and he became Zophnothpanea, the savior. Who even saved not only Egypt, but saved the entire Eastern world. Glory to God. God doesn't need armies, hallelujah, to change the rule. God can use you on your job to change the boss's mind about how he deals with black people or white people or Hispanic people. Because of you, hallelujah, God can change your entire company. All you got to do is learn how to walk in the image and take dominion. Glory to God. Taking dominion don't mean you take over. It doesn't mean there's a coup. It doesn't mean there's insurrection. It means you implement God's rule through your life. Glory to God. Let me decree it and declare it. Kingdom now. Hallelujah. I'm pulling on that level now. Kingdom is implemented now. You're shifting into the ways and dimensions of the kingdom. Not by power. Not by might. But by the spirit of God. 
I deputize you to take rule. I deputize you, hallelujah, to take dominion. You are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Religions have rejected Jesus because he wasn't big enough or he didn't show muscles or have armies with him. Jesus said, I have armies that you don't know about. To save me from this cross, I have 10,000 angels that can come and pull me off. Each one of them can destroy a city. Hallelujah. Just uh, two of them went into Solomon Gomorrah and rained down fire and brimstone. An angel can change a whole region. They can speak and nuclear bombs fall. Glory to God. Fire and brimstone is released when they come into the city. And Jesus said, I could call 10,000 of those kinds of angelic beings that can disrupt this world. But that's not what I'm coming to do. Learn from your Lord. He has other ways of causing the kings of this world to take a knee. He decreed, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess when they see him. And so they need to see him through us. Our present culture is saying that its methods or his methods aren't aggressive, aggressive enough. No, I'm not getting with Christianity because you're all too peaceful. We tried it your way. We tried it Martin Luther King's way, marching. They don't understand until we burn buildings down. You really want to go with that? <laughs> you really think that's going to cause long-lasting change? They can, take, they can take over any city just like they took over Baghdad in maybe a day. They can cut off all water supply. They cut off all lights in that region. And they cut off all access points. In other words, nobody can go into your region. No food can come in. They cut off all communication. What you got now? What you got now? No, it's hot out there, right? Hot. They cut off AC. At night, cut off all lights. Cut off all refrigeration. And they block your region off. In other words, they're not going to let any trucks come in that you can hijack. No trucks, no supplies. You'll be crying out in a week. Just like if a hurricane came. You know how we do when the hurricane came into Louisiana, people on top of their roofs. Hey, come on, man. I need salvation. Can't drink that water. So they can easily stop that. You don't even need to be fighting those kind of fights. One of the reasons why Martin Luther King marched peaceful protests is because he didn't want to see millions of his people killed. Oh, Malcolm X said, by any means, that sounds sweet, by any means necessary, but you don't have the kind of gun. You have no tanks. You have no bazookas. You have no helicopters. You have no Apaches. Oh, y'all, everybody's done. That's what happened in Baghdad. We have insurgents coming out of this building right now. Take them out. Boom. We don't want to see bloodshed. Your kingdom is not of this world. You are American citizen, but we need to move in a certain way. 
Believers have forsaken eschatology as well. Kingdom now doesn't mean you get justice now. You get your way now. It means his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Ah, thy will be done ah, on earth as it is in heaven. Eschatologist says, we're so in this kingdom, we're always forward looking. <laughs> Not just to the here and now. We lift up our eyes from this place. Oh, it means Jesus is soon to come. When you see these things happening in your streets, it means these are the beginning of sorrows. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, peoples against peoples. And when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the world, then will the end come. Thank you, Lord. We've forsaken eschatology. We're not looking, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And because we've forsaken eschatology, we try to pack our lives with modern concepts. God said, don't look at modern concepts, not when you're trying to explain the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. As I close this message today, I need to give you a kingdom prayer. Romans chapter 14, verse 11 says, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to God. That's coming. Right now, we need to pray that his will be done. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and you are part of the kingdom. I'm going to pray this prayer that I believe God has given me for you, and I want you to join with it. It's a personal prayer. You're going to hear me use personal pronouns like my, but you need to be able to say it as well. So just say it along with me. I'm going to do it slow, but I want you to rehearse it in your mind as well and adapt this prayer in your own life, our prayer to God. So repeat after me, God, in the name of Jesus, my desire is to build your kingdom and not my own. But I confess most of the time I live like that is not true. I spend so much time, so much of my day, trying to build my kingdom, making myself, instead of you, the center of this life. Lord, I need your spirit to remind me, minute by minute, day by day, that this life is not all about me. It's all about you. Your word says the time is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and your kingdom will be made complete. In the end, Lord, that will be all that matters. Nothing I build for my own glory will be left. So I ask you to help me stop spending this life 
focused on myself. Jesus, I want to see my daily life through your eyes. Hallelujah. Through the eyes of the kingdom. Help me to seek your kingdom in my heart, my mind, and my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for this confession and I thank you for this prayer. We prayed it together, now manifested in the hearts of your people. I decree kingdom now. As I begin to share thoughts and concepts, Father, that will help shift the church into a season as a prophet. Where we're not so entangled with what we feel that we miss out on what you're trying to implement. That nothing really changes until we change. And as I share at 11 o'clock, Father, that any time there's a national tragedy, it is an indicator that you're trying to implement kingdom rule. So, Father, help us to see the signs of the kingdom. We thank you for George Floyd, but we also thank you for what you are trying to do after his demise. And that is to implement another level of kingdom rule. Help me to articulate that, Father. And Father, I give you praise, hallelujah, that repentance is the gateway into another dimension of the kingdom. And Father, I bless the kingdomites. I bless citizens of this great kingdom that you've established. And I pray today that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in the church and through the church. In the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and declare that souls are entering into the kingdom gate through repentance in the name of Jesus. And Father, hearts are turning back to you. I also decree and declare that resources are coming back into the gate of the kingdom, into the church, that we can do work in this dark world. And Father, I give you praise for allowing that to happen. I decree and declare that multiple streams of income will come into the house of the Lord. That we can preach the gospel. Preach the gospel through cyberspace to every soul. For it is not until every soul that wouldn't watch a Christian television show, but they will watch Facebook. Thank you, God, that the venues are opening up for the gospel to be preached. Let every soul, under the sound of the voice of oracles, be saved and transformed by the renewing of their mind. And we will give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, Please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.